Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. No, ma'am, we do not have a sense of humor we're aware of. May we come in? Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Ruckless speculation. Reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. Adrian Peterson with some reckless speculation over the weekend. Or just misguided. Yeah, that's kind of the story of his his career, I guess. He's a great talent, but doesn't always have the best perception of what, re- what reality is. But um, he was quoted in the Pioneer Press over the weekend. He did an autograph signing. He was at Macy's, and he, he did an autograph signing. And I'm just going to read you a couple quotes here. The main point is he wants to play another four years. Wants to play another four years. He goes, I haven't heard anything from the horse's mouth about getting released by the Cardinals, but I heard the report as well. It's just a report for now. If it's true, it's a great run for me and a great opportunity for me, and I'll be on to the next. But hopefully that's not the case. I think I'd want to play maybe four more years, four to five more years. At the end of the day, I know that I can play. If you watch football, as far as being an evaluator of talent, if a guy has something left in the tank, I feel like he was able to see that I can still play the game. Mm-hmm. Well, Peterson's going through this natural aging process that happens to all athletes, uh, right? Where, as we all do, yes. Where, yeah, you know, much like Kobe Bryant in his last year as a Laker, after multiple surgeries, blown Achilles, you know what? If Kobe reaches deep down in the bag, he still has enough to score 60 points in an NBA game. There's a lot of guys in the league who can't, like, if you gave them free reign the whole game, go try to score 60, wouldn't be able to. And Kobe Bryant, now that's pretty much what the Lakers did. They said, just go take every shot you want. Kobe Bryant popped up in his last couple seasons and had triple doubles and, you know, put up big games where he'd score 60 points or 40 points. Didn't stop shooting sometimes? Yes. Right. I remember it well. But then he'd go through long stretches where he couldn't play because he was hurt or he'd go three for 15 from the field and didn't grab any rebounds because he was old. Being old doesn't mean that you're just completely deteriorated and you can't do anything physically. It just means that you're not able to repeat your performance on a regular basis like when you were 27. Joe Maurer's a great example. Even when Joe Maurer was hitting he was concussions and all those things and hitting 260 for the season, he'd give you flashes for three weeks where he looked like the old Joe Maurer. Well, Adrian Peterson, if you combine his numbers, since he led the league in rushing in 2015, 1,485 yards and 11 touchdowns. He led the league with 11 touchdowns, too. Uh, he is averaging fewer than, well, it's exactly three yards per rush. And he's only played in 13 games over the past couple of years mm-hmm. due to either being released or having injuries or whatever it may be. Yep. He's 32 years old. 
Why four years? I know exactly why he wants to play four years. All right. Clear as day. And he'll never say this publicly, but I know for a fact, if you follow the trajectory of his career and the things that he has said in the last decade, he wants to be Walter Payton. He wants to surpass Walter Payton's rushing mark. Walter Payton, I believe, is number two on the all-time rushing list, maybe three. He's in there somewhere. Emmett Smith, number one. Mm-hmm. But Adrian Peterson is 4,000 yards away from Walter Payton, who was the NFL's best running back until about age 33. So Payton was better longer, had 4,000 more yards in his career than Peterson has right now. So Peterson is looking up and down. And remember, when you covered the Vikings, he used to have like goals. Didn't he have oh, like. Oh, no. He told uh, uh, Mark Craig did a story on him back like five years back mm-hmm. in which he gave Mark uh, the game in which he was going to break Smith's rushing record. Right. Like so the he's very game. Obsessed with records. And he knows he can't pass Emmett Smith the, now. Yeah. It's yeah. not going to happen with Emmett Smith. Yeah. But he's looking up and down and he sees Walter Payton. Okay, 4,000 yards. How long would it take me to get to 4,000 yards? Well, ordinarily, I could do it in two seasons because I could run for 2,000 in both seasons, but that's not realistic. 1,000 yards per year for each of the next four years is what he thinks, and then he will pass Walter Payton, which obviously isn't going to happen. And I got news news for Adrian Peterson. He's not Walter Payton on the field, and he's not Walter Payton off the field. Um, but that's that was the like when he said four years, I was like, I'm going to go check the all-time rushing leaderboard. Wow, 4,000 yards from Walter Payton. That's what he's aiming for, and it's not going to happen. Randy Moss was really interesting to cover in large part, not because he he was a good guy. He could be a complete jerk, but he was interesting to cover in that you always looked at Randy and said, what's going on in that brain of yours? I know there's a lot going on there. What's going on there? What are you thinking? What are you doing? Adrian is interesting to cover because you look at him and you say, (laughs) I know exactly what's going on. I know exactly what's going through your head. And unfortunately, you've surrounded yourself with so many yes men and people through your entire life that nobody even tells you the simplest of things, which is this. If Adrian was to sit down and listen to someone with common sense and he said, I want to play four more years, which, by the way, so just looking at um, his career charts here, he turns he's going to turn 33 years old on uh, the 21st of March. And if you sat him down and he would listen to you, you could tell him, Adrian, the game has passed you by. Literally. It's not that you can't play, which I, I'm skeptical. I don't I don't think that, that you can hold up through the wear and tear of an entire season. But the game has passed you by. You can't you don't fit in today's National Football League. Today's National Football League is about is about one playing in, in a backfield where at your age it's a timeshare. So you don't go to the Saints and say, these two guys are playing too much, Sean Payton, play me. You say, thank you for the job, Sean Payton. I appreciate that. The other thing is, look at Delvin Cook. You have uh, the ability to do at least three things. If not three, two things, Adrian can do one thing, and he could do it fantastic at the height of his career, but that's gone. And that it leads me up to something that I am going to reiterate to you in Friday's Write That Down session, because last week I told you that he will not be on a roster when training camps open. On Friday, I am going to tell you that Adrian Peterson will finish his professional football career as a member of the XFL. Wow. That's where it's going to end. Wow. It, early write that down. It, start, it by starts Jordan. in, think about this, boys. It starts in 2020. So l- let's just give him, if you give Adrian the benefit of the doubt in this conversation, let's say he gets a job in 18. And 19, he might get a job somewhere during the course of, of a year, because, but, but he's basically done by, and it's sad. By 2019, 
you know, Vince McMahon, unless he unless he says, well, your uh, your ch- child abuse problems are too much for our league, which he might, but I doubt he will. Vince McMahon would be thrilled to have Adrian Peterson in the XFL. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I think, I think you're going to see a combination of uh, Peterson wouldn't shock me. You know, Johnny Menzel, guys like that. Um, you know, definitely wouldn't shock me. The one thing about Walter Payton, which is is probably his greatest accomplishment when you, I mean, the yardage was there for his career and he's, he's a hall of famer and he's the, the off the field charity award is named after him. Like there's all these great things. So I don't, I don't want to put this number one, but it's his durability until a late age Mm -hmm. at age 32, which is where Peterson was this last year. And Peterson only one time in the last four years has been like a viable, healthy star running back. Walter Payton at age 32, which is beyond the age that most guys are still running for a thousand yards and four yards a carry, was fifth in the NFL in all-purpose yards or yards from scrimmage, I should say, mm-hmm. and fifth in the NFL in rushing yards. Eight touchdowns that year, over four yards per carry. I mean, his durability is unmatched in the history of NFL running backs to be that good and be playing 16 games mm-hmm. at age 32. And uh, Jerry Rice as a wide receiver, you know, we we rave about Randy Moss, but Randy Moss was flamed out by 34. Couldn't run anymore. Like, was unplayable. Jerry Rice was still a 1,000-yard receiver multiple times in his 40s. Yeah, he was remarkable. So to be, th- to be that good in your peak and then also be that good longevity is amazing. Peterson, at his peak, was every bit the great runner that Walter Payton was. Didn't have the longevity. Certainly doesn't have the off-the-field accolades in terms of charitable work and... Um, and I don't know, maybe Walter Payton took a switch to a kid once in a while. I don't know. It didn't get publicized, well, but Peterson's career though, when the, the thing that he can't accept is, is as great as the comeback was after the knee in what, 2012, as great as that year was when you, when you blow your knee out like that, guess what? It starts to impact you. And if you look at, so 2014, he was suspended. 2015, he came back. But by 2016, he broke down. Once he broke down, if he had really thought that this through, which he wouldn't do, if he had really thought this through, by 2016, he would have taken the hint and said, you know what, my body is giving out. Mm. And he can still, you know what, heck, he could come back next year again and he could probably have one or two great games, but a hamstring is going to start to go or his hip's going to hurt or his knee is going to hurt. There is there is no way. His belief that, that he can just continue playing because he came back from that knee is incredibly misguided. And by the way, I have no problem with him wanting to play as long as I mean, if you can get a job and you can play professional football, oh, that's awesome. I do, which is ridiculous. It's like, sad. It's sad. It's going to be. It's it's getting pathetic already. But you know, go get if you can get a job, go get a job. XFL. It's just I just think the fact that instead of focusing on, I'm going to try and just get back and play a full season in 2018. He's thinking I'm going to play when I'm 37. Yeah, I know. It's like, dude, how about you? How about you try to stay on the field for more than five minutes? <laughs> I know. First. He can't and do it. And then worry about when you're 37 years old. And all the people around him are saying, "You, yeah, you're right, AP. All day. You're going to be all day. And yeah. he's going to play in the XFL. Oh, so it's kind of annoying. Let's come back and catch up with our friend Sam Munson from Pro Football Focus. We can get his thoughts on Kirk Cousins, potentially, in purple. Teddy Bridgewater. Let's get his thoughts on quarterbacks and other things here from a Pro Football Focus perspective. Uh, let's also... Talk about the best TV on the market right now. The third largest TV manufacturer and distribution company in the world. And America's fastest growing TV brand. It's TCL. You can find TCL TVs in any major local retailer around the Twin Cities. Take a look for yourself. The 4K picture quality 
is unmatched. It's four times the picture quality of a standard 1080p TV. Uh, also, the TCL Theater Box is a great spot to watch any Timberwolves game or any event inside Target Center. Remodeled arena, and this is the best place to watch a game. These TCL Theater Boxes, they're in high demand. Uh, we're talking five-star cuisine, luxury seating, and we are giving away tickets, four tickets to a TCL Theater Box in late March for the Wolves-Grizzlies game. All you have to do is go to 1500ESPN.com and enter TCL in the keyword spot for your chance to win. You can enter. It's very easy and experience the best spot in Target Center to watch a game. TCL TVs, Mackie and Judd. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Yes, sir! On 1500 ESPN. All right, Red. Here we go, Red. Here we go, Red. Hey, let's get these guys going today, right? Let's get these guys going today. Fast feet all day long. That's it. Good. Heavy eyes, right? Heavy eyes. Locate that safety coming right out of that break. Here we go, 11. Fast feet all day, baby. Let's go. Good shot, Carson. Good. Ball's coming off your hand. Ball's coming off your hand, 1-1. Hey, Carson. Good rack, man. What drives me is fear of failure. You know, I, I wake up every day knowing, thinking that somebody's out, out working me, um, out scheming me. Um, that, that, that drives me. I mean, there's, you can never watch enough tape. You can never um, study enough. You can never study people enough. That's what gets me is fear of failure. That is Joe, uh, Joe, John DiFilippo. Yeah, get it right. He's the next offensive coordinator of the His Vikings. Brother, Joe, hey, Joe DiFilippo. Uh, yeah, he, he might be the new offensive coordinator of the Vikings. They can't talk to him until like 10 days after the Super Bowl, so they have to wait another eight days or something. Uh, but they're going to interview him. Sam Munson from Pro Football Focus. He's been a friend of our show for a number of years here. Let's, I, I want to start with this. How, like, can, Are you able to tell how much impact a quarterback's coach and or a coordinator have on a quarterback's performance? Like, Is there a way where, uh, whether it's Pro Football Focus or just in your opinion, how you can sort of parse that and give credit to guys like Filippo? Yeah, I think you can see Munson quarterbacks pretty profoundly with when guys move on, when guys come into and um, I think we have some. We lost Sam there with some perception. He lives here now. I thought he does. Um, but I would like. It's it's always hard to say. So Pat Shermer, we think is a really good offensive coordinator. We think we like his scheme. Uh, we think that he propped up Case Keenum. But yeah. is it like eighty percent? Is it twenty percent? Does the quarterbacks coach factor in somewhere? It's 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 hard to decipher. And I would love to be, and maybe there's never going to be an it exact is, science for that. It, it is hard to decipher, but we've definitely know it when we've seen it, when it hasn't worked. Bridgewater North, perfect example, right? I mean, North's offensive scheme for some people probably would have been fine. Yeah. But when you get Teddy, you've got to say, you, you, you can't say, how, how can I make Adrian as successful as possible? Or I run this system and that's it. Yeah. And like with, you in the Teddy. case with Norv. In, in Teddy Bridgewater's second year, that's a first-round draft pick quarterback. Yeah. And the Vikings said, hey, we know how you, that you have certain strengths, but we're going to give the ball to Adrian Peterson 350 times, and you're just going to have to kind of deal with it. Sam, we got gotcha? you? Yeah. Um, so, all right, start that thought over again about the importance or influence of coordinators and quarterbacks coaches. Yeah, I think you can definitely see the impact those guys have when they come into a new system or they leave and you get a new guy coming in. The, the change that happens with quarterbacks when offensive coordinators in particular and quarterback coaches depart, um, you can see the effect it does have on quarterbacks, both just in terms of their 
overall play. And then you can see it schematically in terms of some of the numbers and some of the day of the week collect. You know, you can identify characteristics and traits of particular offenses by looking at, you know, what kind of protections they run, what kind of personnel groupings do they use, what kind of, um, you know, routes and concepts and average depth of target and all that kind of stuff. You can start to characterize offensive schemes. Um, and then within that, you can identify how much of those traits correlate to the kind of quarterback that you have trying to run that stuff. You know, there are quarterbacks that are obviously better suited to running certain types of systems than other guys. And if they're trapped in the wrong offensive system or the wrong kind of scheme, they're going to have problems. But equally, if a quarterback suddenly finds himself in a home that completely matches his, his skill set, you're going to see him take a big step forward in terms of play. Cousins, Sam, your thoughts, and if you're the Vikings, do you pursue him? And I guess more importantly than pursuing him, uh, do you pay him what he's going to get? Because my sense is, uh, considering the amount of teams that are going to be bidding for Kirk, it's going to be a lot of money. Yeah, the second part, I think, is the biggest factor in that. I think Kirk Cousins is going to absolutely break the bank this free agent period. I think that's the biggest thing to come out of all of that Alex Smith trade to the Washington Redskins and the contract extension he got is that Kirk Cousins' numbers are going to absolutely reset this quarterback marketplace. They're going to be mind-blowing. Um, so for that reason alone, I don't think that the Vikings should be in the hunt for Kirk Cousins. He's a good quarterback. I don't think he's ever going to be a great quarterback. Yep. And as, as much as the market value of a quarterback just keeps going up and up and up, I don't want to be the team that sets that resets that marketplace for a good quarterback. You know, if you're going to do that, I think it's got to be for a guy uh, who is a legitimate franchise quarterback and a star quarterback, especially if you have other options out there. I think this year, more than ever, there are other options. You know, obviously the Vikings have got three guys themselves hitting free agency, um, and there are other quarterback options out there for other teams as well. So I don't think that Minnesota should get into the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes. What do you do? You see on film from him that you like, and what would scare you away if you were a uh, prospective team bidding on him? I think he's an accurate quarterback, and I think he tends to make pretty good decisions with the ball most of the time. He concerns me a little bit that he's not automatically able to raise the game of everybody around him. You know, this year I think was big for him in terms of they really rebuilt that receiving core in Washington. Um, and they replaced all the guys that he was used to playing with. They almost gave him an entirely new receiving group, and the entire group struggled more this year than it did in the past. We really didn't see Kirk Cousins elevate that group because there's talent there. You know, guys like Terrell Pryor gained a thousand yards in Cleveland with their quarterback situation. His first year playing wide receiver really couldn't get anything done with Kirk Cousins in Washington. Um, Josh Dobson is a big, uh, talented first-round receiver. Again, didn't really find a seat with Cousins there. So I think there's a lot of ability with Kirk Cousins, but he is probably capped as just being this good player rather than a great player. Yeah. Sam Munson's with us here from Pro Football Focus. So we had a discussion earlier in the show with uh, with Matthew Collar. Teddy Bridgewater, it's sort of forgotten all the limitations that surrounded him with a bad offensive line a couple of years ago, and he didn't have Adam Thielen at his disposal, and he didn't have... Dalvin Cook at his disposal. If you put all those things around him, and assuming his knee is going to hold up, which is a big assumption, we think there's still some meat on the bone there for Bridgewater. So how, as you think back to a couple years ago, what was your evaluation 
despite all those negative circumstances around him. And if his knee can hold up, how highly would you regard Bridgewater's chances to help the Vikings get back to the NFC Championship game if he were the guy, Sam? Yeah, we actually always graded Teddy Bridgewater pretty well. Um, he, he, the end of that 2014 season, he w- was playing really fantastic stuff um, and then didn't quite kick on the way we were expecting him to the next year in 2015. Um, but that was with all those limitations. And it was with a North Turner offense that I don't think really suited the Vikings at all and actually put stresses on the parts of that offense that were weak. You know, the offensive line was being asked to protect the seven-step drops and for an extended period of time, um, and there weren't enough receivers out in routes because the solution to that was to try and keep Max protected, to, to keep Bridgewater upright. So it kind of forced him into playing that conservative check-down offense that everybody criticizes him for, but I don't know that that is the real Teddy Bridgewater. I think there probably is a more aggressive quarterback in there if you give him a more conventional 2018 now NFL offense to play within, the real X factor there is what is he now coming off that knee injury? Because less severe injuries than that have completely torpedoed quarterbacks in the past and they've never been the same player again. I don't think anybody really has an understanding of what Teddy Bridgewater can be going forward. But the only advantage there from Minnesota is that if anybody knows, it's the Vikings. You know, they're the team that gets to see him every day in practice. They're the team that has the best understanding of whether he can be that guy again. But if we assume he gets back to the level he was at before that knee injury, I think he could definitely do the same kind of job that Case Keenan did this season for Minnesota. Which internal candidate of that QB class do you like the most for the Vikings, Sam? I think that they should try and keep two of those guys around. I think Sam Bradford is the obvious one to let walk out the door. Um, He may have the highest upside of any of the three, but his injuries are less of a kind of an ongoing concern as much as something you just have to assume now. You know, Sam Bradford is missing time consistently. Minor minor injury periods seem to turn into long, lingering things, and you just can't trust that he's going to be there. So I think he's the guy you let walk out the door. And then the question is, can you retain both of Keenan and Bridgewater and see which guy is either emerges next season or is capable of repeating what they did this year? It's going to depend what this season did to Case Keenum's market value, which I think is a big unknown. I'm not quite sure uh, what the rest of the league thinks of Keenum at this point because it's such an outlier compared to what we've seen and the rest of his career. But potentially they could franchise him, keep him around one year and then try and get something done with Teddy Bridgewater, given that his market value is likely severely depressed with that knee injury. Uh, And if you could keep both those guys around for a relatively manageable contract, I think that's the way to go. Yeah. Sam Munson, uh, with Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs, do the Vikings have two of the 12 best receivers in the league? Like, where would you rank those guys? Where does PFF rank those guys? Yeah, probably. I think that's fair. What What is amazing about those guys is that they're very unusual receivers in terms of what they do well for the type of player they are. Um, we, at the end of the season, ranked 8th and 10th in our overall PFF grading, but they also ranked in the top six, each of them, um, in contested catch rate, which is not what you expect to see from certainly receivers of Stefan Diggs' stature. He's not a big guy. You, you expect those contested catch guys to be the big Julio Jones style, six foot three, 220 pound receivers, not guys that are barely six foot and under 200. 
but both those guys all season long were incredible contested catches. Um, Stefan Diggs is an amazing right runner. Adam Thielen may have the best release of any receiver off the line. So I think collectively those two are just two excellent receivers that complement each other very well for this offense. Right on. Sam, thanks for your insight. And uh, the offseason is, is right here in front of us here with all these big quarterbacks on the market. So it should be fun, man. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, Sam. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. All right. All right. Sam Munson from Pro Football Focus. Uh, so he says Kirk Cousins, that's going to be a crazy amount of money. Too much money, yes. If you're the Vikings, you're better off going Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater. Bring them both back. The Cousins the price tag scares me. And now, now John Clayton told us last week that he didn't think it was going to be nearly as big as what we had thought. But I'm sorry, when you're talking that many teams being involved that are starved for quarterbacks, it just takes one team to go, to get really stupid. And at that point, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like uh, Collar and Sam, who both watched a lot of film of Cousins, which we have not done, think that he's a good quarterback. If you're going to pay him... If you're going to give him the term and the amount of uh, guaranteed cash that he's going to get, mm-hmm. I don't think good quarterback does it for me. Well, you know, the two teams that can give him the most money would be the Jets and the Browns, both starved for quarterbacks. Uh, the Cardinals need a quarterback. And you could argue, you know, if you put yourself in Kirk Cousins' shoes and the Cardinals, hey, if this thing works, maybe we're right back in the mix with David Johnson coming back in a yes. tough division. But their schedule is a little easier because they finished so low in the standings. So if like if those three teams and then the Vikings or some other team get in a bidding war or the Broncos, then I think you got to get out of it. Well, that and think about if if the Jets and the Broncos say I, I raise, I re-raise, I re-raise, yes. that's how the price gets driven up even more. And yeah, e- ESPN speculation piece yesterday I think had him going to the Jets, and if they come down the pike and they offer as much, I would rather if you think Teddy is healthy at all. Because the th- thing about that is, if you think he's healthy and you franchise Case, it's still just one year. You're not stuck. Yeah, if, you might pay $20 million bucks for a backup but quarterback. It's, but, but it's one year. Right. If you do Cousins, you're talking multiple years of guaranteed cash. I mean, you just paid $17 million for Sam Bradford this year and went to the NFC Championship game and he played and twice. He, right, exactly. Reckless speculation. Yeah. We're all over the reckless speculation. Everyone is. Great. That's the best part about this. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, Dave, what kind of questions are you going to throw at us? I have a critical question about Mike Zimmer I want you to weigh on, and I'm going to give you guys the hypothetical opportunity to fire somebody in the Twin Cities sports scene. Oh wow. Phil Mackey, Judd Zogat. The Minnetonka Police Department's investigative unit described the relationship between the two as on again, off again at a press conference this morning. Mackey and Judd. He also said there's been a history of domestic incidents between the two on 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. Reckless speculation. Yes, we corner the market on reckless speculation. I'm telling you right now, I think t-shirts should be next. I think Mackie and Judd reckless speculation t-shirts should be next. Reckless speculation. I love that Harlan clip. God, that's great. All right. We got some questions over there, Dave? Yeah, I do. Let's do it. Sponsored today by Venture Bank. Mike Zimmer talked about Zim a little bit earlier with uh, Matthew Collar, even before that in the opening bell. 
You look at the Zimmer defense, like as you, you guys were mentioning, how it's you know it's it's keep everything in front of you. It's don't let them get that big play. It's you know they yeah they can catch that ball for three yards, but they're not getting five. Gosh dang it! Mm-hmm. Might not get a lot of sacks. Might not get a lot of turnovers. Perhaps those two are related. Quarterbacks like to fumble a lot when they're being hit from the blind side. We don't True. intercept a lot of passes. And on, on offense, sure, he doesn't run the offense, but he's a head coach. You don't run a whole lot of trickeration, not a lot of fakes, not a lot of, you know, fake punts, whatever it is. Does Mike Zimmer need to take more chances to be a great coach and not just a good coach? Or did that backfire on him? Whoo. Um, yeah, I think, well, I guess when I think of taking chances, I would think you know, sending extra blitzers. And I don't know if that's the answer, but I do think for his defenses to be all-time great, to go from being a really, really good, solid yardage and tackling defense, if you want to get up into that category that we talked about earlier on the show where, you know, like the the 2000 Baltimore Ravens had 40 more takeaways than you did in their season versus this year. Uh, The 2002 Buccaneers had 30 more takeaways. And you might say, well, that's a different era, though. You can't compare across eras. All right. Well, how about the 2013 Seahawks? They had 26 more takeaways, including postseason, than the Vikings did. And that's 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 the same era. That's only a few years ago. So what are they doing differently? I think they had probably more aggressive gambling cornerbacks. Like Richard Sherman was very aggressive in trying to intercept passes. Um, you know, they were probably getting a lot more strip sacks and forcing fumbles. Like they, they need to, people say that, well, you're, the sack numbers are skewed because the Vikings got a lot of pressure and Daniel Hunter got a lot of pressure and pressure is great. But if the quarterback can still throw the ball, it's a lot different than if he's on the ground and either fumbling or a loss of yardage. So I don't know if being aggressive is the right word, but like he needs to find a way to generate more takeaways. What I think about that's a fair criticism. What about on offense, too? You saw a Super Bowl that had both teams throw passes to the quarterback. You had the game against the Saints where Willie Sneed threw one and wasn't complete, but the play absolutely worked because the uh, receiver was wide open and would have scored if the pass was on the money. Yeah, I don't. the other thing there is I don't know if, if being aggressive, it depends on your quarterback, too. Maybe Nick Foles was just like a more trustworthy, aggressive quarterback. Because sometimes when Case Keenum got too aggressive, it was interception city. Um, Jeb, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, my thoughts defensively are taking chances is one way to put it. I do think he probably needs to empower and, and put possibly more trust in his uh, cornerbacks and secondary in this sense. Trey Waynes has gone from being a player who I think we all, all would agree initially started out pretty slow and was you could consider him a disappointment early on. I thought this year, for the most part, now the last game was a disaster for the entire team. So forget that game for just one second. I thought Trey Waynes throughout two, seven, 2017 was very, very good. He was reliable, though. I honestly think you need to take the next step, which is, okay, kid, you've now come this far. I want you to be that good, but you can jump some routes. Because Trey Wayne's, I I think if you went back and watched, I don't think he took chances, and I don't I think he didn't take chances because he knew if he screwed up, he'd probably be benched, right? So he did a very good job of either breaking up plays and and or allowing receptions, and then immediately tackled the guy. That was great. But when it comes to Harrison Smith and when it comes to Trey Wayne's, I think I would empower them e- even more uh, to potentially have have some freedom to jump routes. The Zimmer getting more sacks thing is tough because if you recall when he came here from Cincinnati. The whole thing was he ordinarily didn't have guys who got a ton of sacks. There was a lot of pressure. 
So I would say if you're going to uh, put your faith and trust in trying to turn the ball over more in 2018, it's got to be a byproduct of actually interceptions and plays made downfield because I don't know that he's going to drastically sway how he actually has guys rush the passer. Just hit me. Not getting sacks is like football's version of pitch to contact. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, an out's an out. Yeah. Uh-huh. We get ground balls, baby. Yep. We get pressures. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's a difference. There's a difference. Like, if a guy, that's where when Kyle Gibson's on the mound, and we did these segments last year, and he always looks totally befuddled as to, like, oh, my God, I'm the unluckiest pitcher ever. How did that bleeding, seeing-eye single go through? Well, Clayton Kershaw doesn't allow the bleeding, seeing-eye single. Mm-hmm. He strikes the guy out with runners on first and second. The inning is then over. pitches the contact? Oh, no, it's going to be a long offseason. It's true. It's nice on third and eight to put the quarterback on his back versus watch that ball sail to an open receiver. Yeah, it's and it's nice when, you know what, toward the end of a game, you need maybe you need something drastic to flip the field or get the ball back, and crossing your fingers when the ball's in the air. Bring back Shermer, work. head coach. That's it. We're going to Pat Shermer. Bring him back from the Giants. Everybody loves the NFL because the NFL is a 24-7, 365 business. We're already talking about next year, the day after the Super Bowl, and now two days after the Super Bowl. Pretty soon it's going to be combine talk and draft talk, free agency, et cetera, et cetera. Meanwhile, baseball. <clears throat> it's been crickets since <sighs> early November. We're working on, what, December, January, February? Todd three and a half signed. months right about now. The Todd father. Big seventeen yeah. million dollar deal. Two <laughs> the Todd years. Father signs. Pay respect to the Todd Father. The, the Todd Father. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry right. I couldn't help myself. All right, you've got Rob Manfred in uh, in studio right now. Tell him how baseball can be a little bit more interesting, interesting during the off season, and not just this particular off season, which has been has been exceptionally dead. Yeah. But how can they be a twenty four seven three sixty five league like the NFL and the NBA really have become? I don't know that they can become that. Um, but but we had this discussion about a month or three weeks ago that I do believe that baseball, and I don't. I don't have the answer here, but I do believe baseball would be wise to come up with a way in the future to incentivize teams to somehow have a signing period. The problem with, even in good years, the problem is free agency starts, what, seven days after the World Series? It's pretty close. Or the next day, it's something very quick. But then you just have guys sit there, right? And and, And winter meetings ordinarily spark action, which is fun and cool, but it didn't happen this year. I just wonder if there would be a way um, in, in the next CBA to come up with an agreement of some sort that could spark action, e- even in a brief time period, where it gets to be fun. You know, basketball, hockey, football all have those time periods, and it, it's because of the way the leagues are structured where it's like, bang, and it's it's lots of fun for even a short time. If baseball could do that, at least with me, that time period would engage me. Because right now, baseball offseason doesn't really engage you at any certain time, especially this year. The urgency in other sports free agency windows is created by a salary cap Mm -hmm. and max contracts, for instance, in basketball. Mm -hmm. So in baseball, it's a blank canvas that you're staring at for like Todd Frazier, who just finally signed uh, for a lot less money than he wanted. So Todd Frazier has a blank canvas to paint a contract on, right? You Darvish and let's say uh, JD Martinez, and front offices are looking at that blank canvas much differently than agents and players are, and there's no parameter by which to sort of guide the two parties. In basketball, it's pretty easy. Andrew Wiggins people think 
My guy's a max contract guy. He's a $25 million a year guy. And uh, there's two or three other teams that think so, too. So if you want him, you got to sign him to a max contract. Like, there's no debate over Andrew Wiggins. Now, we could sit here now and say, I don't think he's worth a max. But at the time of the contract, if one team thinks he's a max guy, it's very easy. Well, he's a max guy. Let's not, max, there's no negotiation. If he was a free agent, there'd be no negotiation. LeBron James, Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant or LeBron James were free agents in baseball where there's no salary cap, or if there were no max player contracts to where you could spend $70 million of your cap on LeBron James if you wanted to, mm-hmm. those negotiations would drag on forever. But when they're free agents, they sign pretty quickly because, well, I just have to pick the team I want to play for. In baseball, there's literally like the only the only thing that creates urgency is the start of the season. And we've seen agents and players go into the start of the season because they don't they they don't want to swallow their pride. It's going to happen this year. Like what's going to force urgency right now other than if you're if you're willing to miss games to get what you think you're worth. There's nothing preventing you from nope. doing that. There's no one saying, "Hey, well, dude, there's a salary cap and only 3 teams can afford well, you under the their cap." There the only the only thing is that that June date when Morales signed here. There's a June date at which point if you don't sign by, I think the, I think the team that you Your draft pick compensation yeah, goes away, it. I believe. Yeah. But that's it. So, so it's like June fifteenth, and like Roycey, where we Roycey came in here during the break, and we were talking about the Ken Ver, uh, the uh, Tom Verducci article on Sports Illustrated, where the front office guys are smarter than the agents now. For the first time, like, the agents did all this research and had, and the agents were using analytics for a while too. And they bring like Scott Boris would bring binders into free agent meetings, and now, as Pat pointed out during the break, the tw- the guy who does the Twins contracts, Daniel Adler, who's like the third in line in their front office now. That dude graduated with multiple degrees from Harvard, has worked for NFL so, teams. He thinks he's so smart. <laughs> like, that guy is smarter than Scott Boris when it comes to player value and and what you want to spend as a team. Um, so I guess to answer Dave's question, a salary cap would create more urgency and in, in in a flurry of activity because there wouldn't be as much ambiguity about what a player should make. But, like, when Bryce Harper's on the market, his agent can say he's worth $400 million on a— 10-year deal, and the other teams can say, uh, well, we don't think he is. Yep. And there's nothing that brings you back to, well, there's a salary cap, and so he actually can only make about this much money, and so now there's only three teams that can be in the mix on him. It's just ridiculous. Sad news out of South Beach last night. This tweeted by Craig Mish. He's a serious XM radio host. Source, the Marlins have terminated the man inside the suit of Billy the Marlin. Mm. Marlins spokesman says Billy himself has not been fired. He will remain Marlins mascot, played by somebody else. Billy the Marlin was played by the same person for 14 years. Thanks a lot, Jeter. Jeter, Ruth. Thanks a lot, Jeter. Getting rid of Giancarlo, Marlins guy. Yeah, won't stop cutting costs. However, maybe he deserved it. I don't know. Maybe he was insubordinate. TC the Bear tweeted that it's an absolute travesty. Maybe he knows the details. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. My question to you is, taking off the board players, coaches, GM types in this town, who would you fire from any of the local teams? Wow. Wow. So hold on. So I can't fire. This is no fun. I thought it was going to be fun. I can't fire players. That's all sorts of fun. You could fire Nordy. Well, I was going to say Nordy because I don't know what like he is. There's like seven of them. Would you fire them all? You know what? I don't even want to. I No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not even going to start. Nordy is a good one because like right Nordy, you know, what would you say you do here? What are you? <laughs> what is he? 
Is he a fox? He's an asexual mascot. He... <laughs> I'm an asexual mascot. I don't mean a thing. I've got this little mullet deal thing. It can be naughty with a Y, naughty with an I. <laughs> Just, like I the team name. <laughs> Just like the team name, though. What's naughty and what's a wild? It's all ambiguous, Judd. It's like the it's most ambiguous, ambiguous sports team ever. You know what? I would, I would fire the guy or the gal who came up with those green highlighter uniforms for the Timberwolves oh. and then the black sleeve oh, road sa- uniforms. The Saturday night. Oh, uh, my God. They look, yeah, they look like your At least, you know what? At least if the lights go out of Target Center, they're still going to be able to run their offense. Did you hear Steve <laughs> Kerr last week or whatever that was when they played the, the yes. Warriors pregame? Well, what do you uh, what do you see from those Timberwolves this year? Ugly uniforms. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good basketball team, but my God. Yeah. Now the Warriors actually have some fun, like the city. They got some. They've got some cool variations in their uniform. So I would. I think I'd fire the highlighter uniform guy oh, or gal. Are, those are whoever it is. Those are awful. Krasinski told me on TV they, they look terrible, but in, in the arena they look okay. But I refuse to believe that. I think they look awful. I would fire the person that came up with the scold chant based on one thing. It can be used against you. Bulls. Rogers. Yeah. Wait. No. It, it, it can be used against you. You got to see that coming. You got to see it coming well, when maybe. it's 38-7. They should have played that Sunday when the Eagles were on offense. You're Foles. You're right, the Eagles. I make a feel at home. Why not? They should have requested it. <laughs> Foles. Let's blast off. Mackie and Judd now continue on 1500. ESPN. Make plans to attend the 2018 Venture Bank Minnesota Golf Show. It's February 16th through the 18th at the Convention Center. Buy your tickets in advance and get this. You'll receive over $470 in value. Each paid ticket will receive 19 free green passes and your choice of a golf shirt. To purchase tickets, head to 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. What drives me is fear of failure. You know, I, I wake up every day knowing, thinking that somebody's out, out working me, um, out scheming me. Um, that, that, that drives me. I mean, there's, you can never watch enough tape. You can never um, study enough. You can never study people enough. That's what gets me is fear of failure. What drives you in the morning when you wake up? Is it fear of failure? Afternoon nap. <laughs> I wake up, I think to myself, it's early. Can't wait to take my afternoon nap. <laughs> Only nine hours away from uh, from an afternoon nap. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, back to our to our off-the-top-of-the-show Vikings conversation uh, about our, our to-do list for the team. I think this guy, we both put offensive coordinator on our list. Like, I had it number two behind defensive takeaways. You had it, I think, number one. I had it number on one. List. It's incredibly important, yes. So, I don't know a lot about the relationship sometimes, like, the influence of a quarterback's coach on a quarterback. I think guys like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are so driven, and they'll seek out the help they need. Mm-hmm. So, sometimes I think that position, you can it can be a little bit overrated. Um, developing a young quarterback, though, it definitely matters. Like, there's some moldability there. Look at the Rams. Uh, yeah. Prime example. For sure. So I think if we're just going off success by association, this John Filippo, the fact that he did help mold Carson Wentz the last couple of years and whatever he was doing with Nick Foles toward the end of the season to get him to play like that to be a Super Bowl MVP, mm-hmm. even if it's only like 20% credit 
for the work he did with those quarterbacks, I would be very comfortable with the Vikings hiring him uh, as an offensive coordinator. I think, especially you, if Bridgewater was yeah. was the guy. I, I think what you saw uh, in the relationship th- this year between uh, Shermer and first Bradford, and then certainly Shermer and Keenum was was what you was very instructive as to what you want. And the relationship doesn't have to be. I don't think that that you have to be a, a confidant for the quarterback. That could certainly help. But I think what it involves is just look at look at how Bill Musgrave operated things. And I know he he had ponder. Um, but did you ever get the feeling that he was trying to mold something to the quarterbacks here and some weren't very good? Or did you get the feeling that he was trying to run his offense? I got the feeling he was trying to run his offense. Norv Turner, very much, very much like that. And what Shermer came in and did was he ran his offense, but then he said, how can my offense best fit my players? And the starting the starting point for this entire conversation is not just players, it's quarterback. Yeah. Um, I also think that it's very instructive if you now look back at how the coordinators used Cordero Patterson. Musgrave used him but got frustrated. Norv Turner used him and turned on him completely. And suddenly Shermer comes in and and takes over for the rest of that 2016 uh, season, Phil. And he used him a lot. And the key there was this. Nobody, they realized quickly you couldn't use him to run routes. But what Shermer said was, this is a freak athlete. I can use him in my offense. And so that's what I want. I want adaptability and a guy who's flexible. I don't want someone who says, I am John DiFilippo and I run this offense and damn it, it's going to run. Right, right. Uh, here's another thing off a topic from earlier in the show. We were talking about the downtown vibe and how a lot of restaurants, that the, that the fear that people felt about traffic and going downtown and millions of people going to be in town, that it was kind of, it was, it was overcooked. And Mike sends an email. I went to the Wolves game on Saturday and took the green line because I heard parking ramps were charging 80 bucks and Uber was charging $70 one way. After a 40-minute ride from the Union Depot, I arrived downtown to discover ramps within one to two blocks of the arena were only charging $25. The fear that was created was unbelievable. It's amazing. Media's fault. It's like fear-mongering. I bought in. I mean, I did too to some degree. I, I thought, am I even going to be able to walk outside my place near downtown without getting mobbed by Eagles fans? Crickets. I blame us. Crickets. We we're, did that with weather too. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Oh, oh we god. Do, yeah. Oh, no, we're guilty. Chains on tires. Like we're okay. guilty. It's gonna snow a lot. Yeah, and it snowed in yeah. in the seventies a lot. And guess what? People survived. Bill email says his wife runs a shop inside the Mall of America. Her business was terrible. Super Bowl week. I'm shocked by that. Inside one. the Mall of America, there's so many people at the Mall of America. I know that one surprises me. What store? Must have been. I don't know. There was that many people around us. Did you walk around the mall? Quite a bit, yeah. Like, there was a lot of people in the mall. I had heard it was more dead, but maybe I heard... Bill, that sources. store might be going out of business. Just going to say. Wow. Well, poor Bill's wife. That's no way to end the show. <laughs> Thank you for listening, Bill. I love you. Please listen tomorrow. All right, we're back. Judd with more political debates tomorrow. As fall fills up with activities and obligations, even a small time saver can feel like a big help. Grammarly is an all-in-one writing tool that makes clear, concise communication easier than ever, so you can finish your work earlier and head off to family dinners, social events, and fall weddings. Grammarly is free to download and works where you do, so every project gets finished quicker. Make sure your writing is free of mistakes with Grammarly's free, comprehensive writing suggestions and get an instant take on how your message comes across with the free tone detector. 
Let Grammarly Premium's sentence clarity rewrites help you find the perfect words on the first try. You'll be confident writing client emails, deadline-driven reports, and presentations without staying late at the office. Get more time back in your day by writing with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcasts to sign up for a free account. Then get 20% off when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium. That's Grammarly.com slash podcasts.